everyone, and welcome to the roundtable. Today's roundtable is continuing the conference, Global Crisis. This already affects everyone. And as we prepared the conference, we've met so many people, so many different specialists. And of course, the timing of the conference was limited, but we're going to follow up follow up with people from all around the world, gathering him, uh, gathering all of them every day at this conference. So today, let's take a look at the conference itself and how uh, it went. We have a short video to present for you. And let's begin with the video. Modern civilization has entered the stage of instability and global crisis. The future has already arrived. In the field of artificial intelligence, I really understand that today we see tremendous opportunities and possibilities. We will have human-level intelligence in terms of problem-solving, and that we could have that pretty soon. And in the consumer society we live in today, it will leave us jobless. Hello. Every owner of some corporation will create a number of machines, fill it with artificial intelligence, so a human being will simply become out of demand in this chain. Millions of people around the world have already become climate refugees. The events are developing at a shocking speed. The force of cataclysms is growing in progression. Their frequency is increasing every day. What you can see here is in red are the amount of this particular uh, characteristic of uh, the planet, you know, that is left. And we can see that in many cases we have lost more than 60, 50, 60, 70 percent of this particular ecosystem or species. We're eating our planet. Maybe it's time we realize our responsibility and solve our problems together. Because sudden large-scale natural disasters occur on the planet on a daily basis. And there are fewer and fewer safe places. Soon everyone will be hungry, barefoot, naked. Because of consumerism, we are the generation that will see it through. Either we can stand up to it or it will end with us. One hundred eighty countries on the platform of Alatra International Public Movement. It is broadcast live on thousands of YouTube and other streaming channels. Moreover, thanks to volunteers from around the world who understand the importance of this event, the conference is simultaneously translated into 72 languages. The main value in a creative society is human life, your life, the life of your children, your loved ones. Only together can we find solutions. And we all want peace and happiness. And together, we can create this world. Uh, 
as you can see, this conference brought up some very hot topics, not just hot topics. It's the question of human existence in the nearest future. And it's very important to talk about this thing. On one hand, AI can be a threat to our uh, work, our jobs. But on the other hand, it's the only way to overcome the challenges that we see in ecology and climate crisis. Uh, Jonathan, please. Yes. So as, as we can see, and, and that's why we are here today during this uh, international roundtable, the conference is not over. Uh, we want to really continue to take up on the topic of this global crisis um, in this international roundtable uh, that will be actually holding every day um, uh, just to go deeper into those topics and to make sure that everybody, as we say, 180 countries, more than 72 languages translated during the conference, we want to make sure that this message and those informations are spreading as much as possible. Um, there is a lot of very interesting information, fact, uh, and speaker from different countries that are ahead of us with those roundtables. So the idea is really to update uh, this conference on how important it was to be spreading that knowledge and to continuing the momentum uh, and deep dive into those topics. So one of the topics uh, was actually about AI. And it's not just a hot topic. It might be a, a vitally important theme for our civilization. Um, in the nearest future, it's not something that we're thinking about like very far ahead. It's really something that we can already touch. In some way, we're already in it. Um, so we would like to uh, hear back from uh, one of the speakers, a specialist in AI field. Uh, so welcome, Peter. Welcome again after your, your participation yesterday. Uh, your speech was very inspiring, uh, and for myself, for many people as well. Uh, so what makes you so optimistic about AI, and what would be the most obvious benefits uh, for all of humanity? Can you tell, me, take, tell us more about it, please? Yes, certainly. Um, you know, what I hear at, um, at the conference is a lot of gloom and doom. Um, and, I, you know, I don't really see it that way. I think a lot of the predictions in terms of AI are, are, are not really spot on. Um, for example, that we will have, you know, one AI that will take over the world. That seems a very unlikely scenario um, just for, for a number of technical reasons. But there's also an important distinction that needs to be made um, in terms of almost all of the AI you see today is narrow AI. And this is an important distinction. The AI is built to solve one particular problem at a time. And it's really the human that figures out how to use artificial intelligence technology to solve that particular problem. Those AI, those narrow AI, uh, do not pose any kind of risk outside of the specific domain that they were built for. And that's very manageable. You know, it's a it's a basically a an ordinary engineering risk that that you have that you have. Um, now, the the real artificial intelligence, or what we call AGI, artificial general intelligence, an intelligence that can learn and reason and think and and sort of grow in its in, in its knowledge and ability by itself. Um, is you know at the moment very few people are working on uh, on that technology, so that's not an imminent uh, risk. Now 
as I've said, I believe it's possible to develop this more general AI that can really think and reason because the current uh, AIs can't do that. Um, now, that kind of AI, the artificial general intelligence, once that is uh, developed, the, one of the key benefits is it will help us um, think clearer. It'll help us have better information because obviously one of the things we as the human race is suffering from uh, is a lot of misinformation and irrationality that people, you know, act out of, out of fear, out of ignorance, you know, out of, out of what, whatever. Um, and I think that kind of AGI, as we see that, um, will, I also believe it will become available to a large number of people, you know, like the internet is available to, uh, to people, but it'll help us sift out more accurate information or help us be able to think things through better. And of course, it'll help us with scientific research uh, to, to address the problems that we have. And, you know, as I've, I've said, one of the key problems that we're facing that we're not very good at right now is, is governance. Um, to me, the biggest problem I see in, in the world is, is the lawlessness of politicians. Uh, and I think if people can, you know, really use their rationality and reason and say, why are so many people poor? Well, the main reason is that individuals aren't given the freedom to lift themselves out of poverty because of governments and because of the corruptions and lawlessness of, of governments. Um, but, you know, that, that's sort of a particular view that I have that I believe an AI would help more people realize that where the real problems lie, whether it's what I'm speculating or saying here or, or, or other things. So I'm very optimistic that when we get artificial general intelligence, it will really help, help us and it'll be much more generally available, uh, not just you know, to one person uh, that, that'll dominate it. Thank you so much, Peter. Uh, thank you so much. We, it definitely would be a great help when it comes to governance and research in the field of climate and also ecology. And ecology was one of the topics brought up as the, at the conference, and we see how many species are being extinguished and how much humans are polluting in our world today. And we would like to continue with the uh, topic of ecology and ask Gerardo, one of uh, the speakers at the conference, and expand what he had to say at the confer conference. Gerardo, please go ahead. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, first of all, thank you for the invitation. It has been a very interesting uh, conference. Well, i like to say that I agree completely with Peter Boss, and, uh, but there is only one thing that uh, worries me, that the extinction crisis is so imminent and is as, as bad in terms of the scope and the magnitude than the uh, climate, climate emergency. Uh, if we lose the species at the rate that we're losing them, there will be little, really, really, really little hope that we will be able to maintain the conditions, of, uh, uh, that, uh, man the, the conditions that make uh, uh, Earth uh, habitable for general uh, plants and animals and for us. So uh, this, uh, we are uh, losing a species at the rate that hasn't been lost since the last 65 million years. And um, this has a big impact, not only obviously in the aesthetics and the beauty of the world, but also on all the ecosystem services, all these benefits that we get from the plants and animals. 
And basically, I think it's very important this kinds of conference to raise the awareness that by losing so many species, we are eroding the capabilities of life on Earth, including human life, of course. So, um, and the window of opportunity to sort of save these species, you know, more than 15, 20 years maximum. So, so um, it is very important that we realize that in terms of the artificial intelligence and all of the other uh, important uh, developments that can help us to eventually have a, a, a better understanding, a better decisions, we'll need to, uh, to do that. We need to be able to stop and uh, reduce the extinction crisis. And I'm not talking only about the species. One important thing that I didn't mention yesterday is that we're losing billions of populations. And uh, I, I give you quickly this uh, hypothetical uh, scenario. We may not lose any species at all, but if we lose most of the populations of all the species, we will be in completely uh, in, a, in a very com uh, uh, complicated uh, scenario. For instance, there is no it doesn't matter that there are forests, boreal forests, in, uh, in other parts of Europe if the ones in, in uh, Russia are gone because the ecosystem services they provide locally and regionally will be gone, you know? So this is very important that we understand that the extinction crisis goes from local to regional in terms of species and populations and then to global. And it's very important that we don't focus only on losing the species completely, but on losing the population that are the ones who regulate climate, give us provision of uh, uh, water and so on, at the regional and the uh, 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 local level. And finally, I'd like to say that uh, although this is a gloom and doom scenario, there is still time. If we put our act together, if we manage to maintain all these species, and we manage to maintain most of the populations, uh, uh, there will be plenty of opportunity to recover them and to do a much better way, uh, uh, decisions. I completely agree with Peter Boss that most of the problems are the government. The governments are taking really poor decisions in terms of what has to be done. And most of the population, most of the human population were suffering for those bad decisions. So uh, to, to, to finish, I'd like to say that uh, for me, the extinction crisis is as, a, is as a, um, important as the climate crisis but it's more urgent, but it's happening faster. And once we get the, the, the full impact of the climate uh, disruption, uh, many of these species already in, in trouble will be even in a, a more trouble. They will be more at the brink of extinction. But on the other hand, many species that right now are more or less safe will be uh, pushed towards extinction because of those changes. To me, this is probably right now the most serious challenge for humanity to stop the extinction crisis. Thank you for your uh, uh, insight on, on, on this topic. And basically, I would like to summarize a little bit on both of the answers, because it seems that there is a common denominator, of course, and that make it more positive overall, is that it seems that either the way to use AI or the way to avoid having too many species being extinct in the near future, it seems that there is still something that we can do uh, about it, uh, as as a unit, as a, as a unity uh, of people, uh, understanding those problems and making sure that we can move forward in the right direction, as we are absolutely not doing right now. So thank you for for those answers and this uh, actually uh, piece of of positivity into this very kind of negative topic. But we are still capable of doing something about it. Um, I would like to to continue. 
uh, with the topic and ecology uh, and pass on the uh, and give some sometimes to a Nashingen professor uh, from Mauritius to talk about biodiversity uh, in his region. Uh, I mean, we know that biodiversity is crucial to preserve. Um, so could you tell us a little bit more about this from your perspective and the impact that currently the biodiversity can have from the consumerism society that we are in at the moment? And what is your perspective from the future and how could we maybe make something better? Yeah, so good afternoon, <coughs> everybody. So... First of all, I would like to commend uh, the organizers for the online conference of yesterday. I think overall it was a very successful one, in spite of the fact that, according to me, it was a bit too long. It's not easy for, especially with a time zone problem, for people to sustain and, and be tuned for such a long time. But I think the positive, on the, on the positive side, very positive side, <clears throat> we had a sort of opportunity to hear different voices, different specialists, and that, is, that was very good. Now, coming to the two topics, ecology and uh, also AI. So, regarding ecology, Mauritius, as you know, is a dot uh, in the Indian Ocean, small island. And the smaller you are, and uh, if you've got an island economy, I think you've got more vulnerabilities, more than other countries. And Mauritius is part, from a political uh, point of view, Mauritius is part of Africa. And when I compare Africa with other continents, other places, this is the continent which has not been subject to overexploitation and uh, rapid economic development. You're still behind compared to other countries. <clears throat> Obviously, when you look at African countries, including Mauritius, we have subscribed to a number of conventions, number of treaties on environment to preserve biodiversity, be it at the level of uh, <clears throat> the UNEP, or be it at the level or at the international level, multilateral level, or at the regional level, I mean, in spite of our uh, sort of frailties and vulnerabilities, African countries, and even uh, what we call the, uh, the, the, the small uh, island states, the SIDS, they have been making a lot of efforts. But unfortunately, you see, if you look at the divide, which exists at the level of, uh, of countries, so in spite of the fact that we should have, according to me, what we, what we qualify as SND, special and differential treatment, we see that some of the major players, some of the major countries, I won't mention names, unfortunately, they don't want to shoulder their responsibilities. On the contrary, they are pushing their development, economic development to its extreme, and we developing countries, we African countries and island states, we are still lagging behind and we have to make the same sort of sacrifice. And this is simply unsustainable in the medium term and in long term. And this is where <clears throat> yesterday I alluded to this problem 
we have a sort of failure of the multilateral and international system. Be it the UN, be it the UNEP, the Kyoto Convention, you just mentioned it. Unfortunately, many of these organizations have become like a sort of talk shops. So you can rest assured that African countries, small developing states, islands, we are all for solidarity, to make sacrifice, to preserve the biodiversity. And I can tell you, in my country itself, at least at the level of environment, we are taking the right steps. And many African countries are taking the right steps. They are doing the best. But unfortunately, they are not getting the necessary support from uh, developed countries. So maybe we can, we can probe more at a later stage if we can go in more depth uh, on, on, on these issues. Now, coming to AI, what I noticed yesterday, as if we've got two extremes. One extreme, seeing that AI will bring miracles. And another extreme, looking at only the dark side of AI. For me, as a, <clears throat> as a lawyer, being located in a developing country and who has been traveling also in different countries, I think we have to be, to be careful. Because if you look at the, <clears throat> at, the, at the history of humanity, how we moved, shifted from the different stages of development, from Stone Age to agriculture, industrialization, telecommunication, <clears throat> and today we are talking a lot about AI. Yes, we are all for AI. But if you look at the sequence of development, what happened, those countries, just like in environment, for example, many of these countries who are now developed states, they have been exploiting the environment to its maximum. And now they are telling us, don't do it. They've done it. They've become rich at the expense of the poor environment. Now they are telling developing states, don't do it. So I think we have to be equitable. Now, my apprehension, I know the, the, the multiple advantages of, of AI, but at the same time, we know the danger. The, the divide which exists for the time being in the field of IT, I think this would be even more exacerbated, would become even more acute with AI. So what we need at world, at world level is to find a platform uh, I don't know whether it's going to be the UN or any other organization, the WIPO, the, <clears throat> the ITU, I don't know where, to find a platform where there can be a sort of equitable uh, distribution. Very often in international fora, we've been talking about transfer of technology. We've been bragging a lot, unfortunately. But when it comes to ground realities, there has never been any genuine bona fide transfer of, of, of technology. So the divide which exists at international level will also be reflected at national level, which means that those who are rich would become richer at domestic level. And the same thing will happen at the international level, where countries which are very rich will become richer, will exploit others. So the same thing will happen at international, regional, and domestic level. 
And at a time where people are not having free uh, dinners, lunches per day, in, some, in many countries, including some of the developed countries. But some people in industry, in IT, in technology, we are talking about futuristic things without trying to solve the basic problems. So for the time being, I will rest here and we may continue. Thank you. Thank you so much, Narshigan. It's definitely a huge problem, and we see that the gap between the developed countries and the level of living in other states where we have globally estimated 800 million people not having enough food and water resources, and we're talking about over-consuming in developed countries. That is definitely, definitely a problem, and it seems like uh, the gap just keeps on growing. On the other hand, we still see the terrible situation in uh, ecology as well. Let me come back to that topic. And the reason the consumerism, so uh, going for the profit, people don't care about anything else. Unfortunately, in today's kind of society, not the human life, not ecology, not climate, but profit is number one driver for uh, consumerist format of living. And uh, uh, we have another uh, participant, the documentary director from Japan, who filmed multiple uh, documentaries about ecology. Uh, we have a video prepared from Shiratori. Please, let's watch it right now. First of all, I would like to introduce myself. I'm a film director and dubbing actor from uh, Japan. My name is Tetsu Shiratori. I'm a dubbing actor. I've dubbed uh, Michael Jackson's voice into Japanese, and I'm also making films that focus on our planet and the path we need to follow to become a sustainable world. I've made a total of 30 films on the subject, and I'm currently working on my latest film, Zero Waste Plus, Sustainable Lifestyle. My job is to show as many people as possible how we can make our planet a sustainable world of coexistence and shared prosperity. I have been covering the situation over the past few years and have concluded that the Earth is in a very difficult situation. Last year, I went on a seven-hour voyage on a yacht to cover the state of the ocean. I've interviewed professional divers who have been swimming for almost 40 years, and they said that 20 years ago, the ocean was really beautiful. But since 2000, it's been in a terrible state. As explained um, by the divers, the reason for this uh, is that the corals on the Japanese islands of Okinawa and Yeyama began to die in mass due to this phenomenon of bleaching. And now, 70% of the corals are dead. 70% of the corals have died. What is happening to coral reefs on the south coast of the Pacific Ocean is a consequence of the deterioration of seawater. The disappearance of seaweeds such as wakame and kelp is also progressing. 
A common kelp release substances that are very important for creating the atmosphere, so their disappearance has a huge impact on the atmosphere. I was particularly surprised when I was told about the map that sailors used, to, used when they crossed the Pacific Ocean. It is called the Pacific Pilot Chart and has been used for more than 500 years since the time of Columbus when sailors recorded the direction of uh, all the winds since uh, they did not change. And suddenly, over the past 10 years, the winds and currents have changed. And the winds change means that there are drastic changes in the Earth's atmosphere itself. Speaking about the changes, the divers also said that since they regularly measure the temperature of the ocean, they know that in winter, the temperature usually drops below 10 degrees Celsius, but now the temperature has stopped dropping. Now it does not decrease, but remains about... Uh, above uh, 10 degrees. The fact that the temperature of the seawater does not fall means that, that as a result of convection, due to which hot air goes up and cold air goes down, cold waves and strong winds near the surface of the ocean will increasingly occur, which will provoke the appearance and um, intensification of various hurricanes and typhoons. Through this interview, I realized that something terrible in the ocean, but you know what, it's not just in the ocean. Last year, I also learned that the acreage of relic forests in the Japanese mountains have These are ancient forests, and although there are younger forests planted by man, valuable relic forests are disappearing. In addition to this, there's the fact that the fruits of the trees become hollow. This that the flowers of the of these trees were poorly pollinated, which means that many insects are disappearing in the forest, and they are food for birds, not only for birds, but also for rabbits and other animals, and they enrich the ecosystem, they enrich the soil, and these insects are disappearing. Thanks to this interview, I realized that terrible things are happening on Earth right now. First of all, it is important to know about state of the earth. It's obvious what's going on is crazy. Just a few days ago, there were terrible floods in Germany and in Japan too. As a result of a landslide in Atami in Japan, many people died and in the future these phenomena will occur more and more often. This is a sign that the earth is now experiencing a climate crisis. We are now at the stage where we need to take specific action to preserve our planet. How can we protect our planet? The key in uh, concrete uh, actions uh, to achieve this goal is microorganisms. In fact, uh, there are beneficial microorganisms that use radioactivity as an energy source. Such organisms really exist. What do you think happened when they were applied? When they were sprayed on an area the size of two stadiums, the radioactivity in that place began to decrease. Geiger counter readings fell, and in the 
land crops uh, that were grown there, the level of bacterial, that is the level of activity of the radioactive body, was not detected at all. Besides, it allowed for a larger yield than usual because radiation was used as an energy source. And this is where um, hope begins. It is the possibility of living in abundance. But you know what? Such things are never reported by the media. Such information does not extend beyond Japan. After all, society is now run by money. It is the monetary interest that drives us. The whole world is being destroyed by the vested interests of companies and states. To get out of this situation, I believe that people with the same mindset should communicate with each other. I also want to make uh, my own contribution to the development of the world. I want the earth to remain beautiful and full of life. And if we all unite with each other, then everything will be fine. We will succeed in matter of connecting with other people who care. Let us unite for the good of the planet. Let's love each other. Let's love with each other. Let's stop supporting a civilization full of fear. Let's love each other and be grateful to each other. This is the only way to peace. え、作物取れるんですけど、ベクレル値って言ってその放射能の値がわかるんですけど、一切検出されませんそれで検出されないどころかですね放射能エネルギー源に変えてますから通常よりも大きな作物になるんですそしてそこからですね生き物たちが豊富になってきて希望が始まってるんですでもねこういうものはねマスコミから一切報道に出てき
save all humanity. It's like a scream of a person who stands on the, at the edge of the cliff with a blindfold and he doesn't see the, the next step into the abyss. And this is a cry so that the person will turn around and go the other way. This conference was organized by uh, thousands of uh, volunteers in more than 180 countries and 72 languages of simultaneous interpretation. This is a colossal amount of job and the people do it in their from work time. Everything is done, so this uh, cry, so this scream would be heard for the rest of humanity. So this is the most important event that could actually take place. And I express my deep gratitude to all those who participated in organizing this event and uh, to all speakers. And I also grateful to those speakers who participate today and um, talk about ecological issues. This is really a terrible problem, how it destroyed, killed and our planet and the issue about the extinction of the biodiversity and how we actually treat each other and other creatures. This is not how real human beings should behave. But I also want to say that except the environmental issues, we raised the topic of climate crisis because now these topics usually in mass media are, so, are shown as one problem Problem, but in fact, these are two different problems, and climatic problem is much worse, because if ecology is, we can influence, because we destroy the planet ourselves, actually constantly um, polluted with um, with garbage, we uh, destroy forests, and exactly the issue of climate is something which we can influence on. We have much more hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, and the magnetic field of the Earth is weakened. This is indeed the process which takes place inside the Earth, and we raised this issue of the conference, the reason for that, this is a 12,000 year cycle, and the process takes place inside the Earth. I am as a geologist can tell you that, imagine yourself the planet Earth. Have you seen the images of the Earth from the space? We are like a film on the soap bubble. Our atmosphere is just a film on a soap bubble, and our planet is enormous, and how you can imagine this thin film is influencing each Earth and uh, actually makes such some impact. These are processes which takes place inside the Earth. The Earth core is shifting. This take takes place and causes. All these processes cause it micro vibrations, and heating occurs exactly from the inside of the planet, from the depth of the planet. And uh, Mr. Sharatori just now mentioned uh, events, scientists find where the temperature in the world ocean is increased in more than 10 degrees Celsius. This is impossible. This phenomenon is uh, being studied since 1980s. Scientists have noticed. Please uh, show the here you see these places 
In the middle of Pacific Ocean, there are huge areas that are heated up, and water rises in more than 10 degrees Celsius, and this is obvious that in these areas it goes from the depth, because the water goes bottom up, this is obvious phenomena which is related exactly to the hitting the water up from the bottom. So, uh, we'll see in the next pictures, the graphs, how it all increased. As you can see, in 2015, uh, it started to grow rapidly and more sharply. At first, we saw this blob with these drops. Here we see the example near the New Zealand, where at first scientists found this giant blob here we see graphic um, Sorry, uh, according to physics, water can't go from And in this image, we see how Western Antarctica is melting in relation to Eastern Antarctica. Antarctica itself melting exactly because of the fact that from the inside there is increased heating. see this map where Antarctica is melting the most, this huge red spot exactly in such places where it heats up, exactly in such areas, it is a huge volcanic valley with a large, large tectonic fault, and scientists discovered that Exactly under the west, western Antarctica, there is a huge magma chamber. And it goes from the inside the Earth, not from the space, not from the outer space. They are exactly the process of movement of this and the scientists also have found under the Greenland huge plume. The heat spreads in the central part of Greenland. Under the Greenland, they found lakes. And we are in a huge danger because this magma goes higher, rises. And uh, when it reaches, Underwater, the groundwater, it will start to evaporate. There will be a huge amount of moisture, which will result in pouring rains and floods, and it will 
Eventually, you will end up the rise of the level of the world ocean. Next, Im the next image is exactly about the fact that right now, exactly the northern part of our planet heats up the most. And magma actually comes from all the sides. And this is exactly the result of acceleration of the tropical force of our planet. It started to rotate faster, exactly after the... Um, the fact that the, the core of our Earth is Thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to share with you this information again. And I would like to express huge gratitude for the, this conference that plays, and I appeal to each person who watches this conference to continue to share this information, because only by knowing the truth we can be prepared. But if we to know the have information, if we don't have holistic picture, we don't have this chance. That's why it's so important to share this information. Exactly the next conference, which will take place in December, which called Global Crisis, the Time of Truth. Invite everyone sane and caring people want to share this information, especially scientists who are aware about these reasons. But some of them actually tell a completely different story. I give the floor to the next speaker. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. This looks quite scary. And uh, to some it might look like gloom and doom, but in fact, this is the point of the conference was not to scare anyone. It was to show the real threats that our human civilization is facing right now. And there is no doubt that everything is real because it's backed up by scientific data. We've seen specialists from all fields, all different sorts of science field, who presented the data that they cannot share otherwise because this is not something that people are being asked to talk about on the conferences. We see that on the conferences, they invite scientists only to talk about subjects like CO2 emissions because it's profitable. It's profitable for the scientists to go on the conference and talk about CO2 emissions. They're not being paid to talk about these topics. Well, in fact, the global warming caused by uh, not just CO2 emissions, but as we heard yesterday, methane or our changes in core or the solar system changes are very, very real. And developing of AI could help us overcome them, but as well might be a threat if it's going to be monopolized in hands of one or a few players on the market of IT technologies. This is very important to understand. The next thing what we would like to talk about is one of our speakers from yesterday, Dushan, who uh, talked about climate agenda as well, and oceans specifically. Dushan, it's a great pleasure for us to hear you, uh, have you here back with us. And please go ahead, the floor is yours. 